the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Got up at 3.45 this morning. Turned on the financial media. Took a look at how things were looking for the open. Reviewed a little bit of the politics going on in America. Refocused back on earnings. And Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell, who spoke yesterday, uh, got a little brushed up on the coronavirus outbreak. That's what the day in a life of a financial guy is all about. So far, 80% of the companies in the S&P 500 have reported fourth quarter results. Fourth quarter is a big one in the United States because it contains typically Thanksgiving and Christmas. And earnings are about growing at about 3.5% for the fourth quarter. That's pretty good. Earnings expectations have beaten Earnings have beaten expectations is the right way of saying that. Um, but 63% of the companies reported. Statistically, that's impressive. But um, it's a lot to me when companies beat their earnings expectations. It's a lot of financial engineering that can go into that. And I don't like it. So it would. It, I just don't think it's very sincere. Oh, this quarter we're going to earn four to three cents share, and you come in at thirty days before, like, well, instead of forty-three cents, we actually meant to say uh, thirty-nine cents, because, uh, well, we, that's our updated guidance, and then they come out thirty days later with earnings that they hit like forty-two, really close to the original number, but now they've beaten the expectation instead of underperforming the expectation. I don't like it. Companies like Cisco, Applied Materials, MGM Resorts, TripAdvisor are all going to be releasing results today after the market closes. Yesterday we got CVS Healthcare, which I've never been a big fan of the store, CVS. I've been a big fan of their pharmacy. And through the years, they've reformed what they are. as a, they're, they're no longer that pure retail play. 
They posted fourth quarter results that topped expectations driven by strong growth in its pharmacy services and health benefits businesses. After its acquisition of Aetna, those Aetna commercials, remember Aetna? I'm glad I met you. Sales guidance for the full year was better than expected. So CVS now has a pharmacy services and a health benefits businesses. Do you remember a couple of years ago it was big news? Big news that CVS was going to stop selling cigarettes at their stores because how can you be a healthcare store if you're selling cigarettes? And like, yeah, okay, that wasn't that good. Lyft had an earnings report last night. Better than expected fourth quarter results. Didn't really impress investors. I'm feeling, and this is as close to a flat-out buy signal you're going to get from me, I feel like it's going to be a good year for Uber. And it's not just a feeling. It's from what the numbers that I've seen and the reactions that we're seeing and the condition of really oversoldness from the IPO and insiders were just dumping billions of dollars of stock. Lyft said it's still expected to be profitable on an annualized EBITDA basis by the fourth quarter of 2021. But that's really not profitable when you're on an adjusted EBITDA. That adjusted EBITDA is the thing that's tricky. It's earnings before interest tax, depreciation, and amortization. And that would be like me saying, look, I've got a six-pack on my abs. After I go to the gym for a year, and after I don't eat for a year, and after I use little electric stimulants at night to make the muscles there. It's not really true, right? I'm just puffy. So lift a little bit lower today. It has been up 25% for the year. So it was rallying on expectations, and it sold on news. Elsewhere out there, uh, we still have the coronavirus, and it has an official name. You're going to like it. It's cute. For, for a virus name, it's cute. COVID-19. What? COVID. COVID-19. So the World Health Organization has now said that the COVID-19 has claimed the lives of 1,115 individuals. Total number of confirmed cases, about 45,000. So if you get it, there's a good chance you don't die. Number of suspected further cases, that's the question. Of China's Hubei province. In the province of Hubei, the epicenter of the virus, it fell by 5,000 to 16,000. So people are starting to feel like, hey, we've got the worst of it behind us. Yesterday, Jerome Powell talked a little bit about the United States is looking into a digital dollar or digital currency. Bitcoin jumped over $10,000 of Bitcoin on that news. Powell also addressed the coronavirus in the remarks to the U.S. House Committee on Financial Services on Tuesday. Today, he'll be in the House of Representatives uh, saying that there's likely be some effects of the United States, um, but it's too early to say as far as the coronavirus goes. He didn't call it by the COVID-19 name, but I do because I'm cool like that. So Jerome Powell didn't do anything bad yesterday is essentially what I'm getting to. He talks to Congress and they answer all sorts of posed questions. Mr. Chairman. Do you think 
And they ask these questions like, do you think we're going into recession? And he's like, no. <clears throat> There's some pretty funny stuff, too, because like, there was one senator, I want to say from Detroit, but I wasn't paying that close of attention. And she goes, during the financial crisis, I do believe uh, Ben Bernanke, 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 I believe that Ben Bernanke lent money to GM and bailed them out. My city needs to be bailed out. We have a lot of pension funds that are going bankrupt. And uh, my city needs to be bailed out. The city that represent, I'm representing, my city. And uh, last time, Bercati, uh, he bailed out GM, so why can't he bail out the cities and their pension funds in situations like that? And he goes, lady, he didn't say lady, but that's what, that's what it looked like. He basically said, I don't, I'm not in charge of bailing out cities. I'm in charge of fighting inflation and uh, keep, keeping as many people employed, full employment that we can. It's one of the reasons the Federal Reserve looks at the JOLTS report, the job openings in the United States. But, uh, and she goes, I do believe your, your predecessor, Burkaki, uh, said that you, you, you do have that authority. And he goes, her name, his name's Bernanke. <laughs> oh, it was tense. But it was one of those posed questions that, like, someone wants a campaign advertisement, uh, a sound drop. So you got to be a little careful, right? So Disneyland's raising prices over $200 a day. Will that stop you from going? That's a pretty big chunk of money. But we're not even talking about the season pass. That's crazy. $2,199. No blocked out days. For $2,200 plus tax, you can see Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. I say, just watch it on YouTube. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. The NBA is an interesting business. The headlines have not been very flattering to the National Basketball Association in the past few months. Television television ratings are down. You've got a lot of injured stars sidelined. Business within China got into trouble pre-coronavirus back in the days of how shall we say a tweet that a Houston Rocket general manager sent out that pissed off China. New York, the biggest market for television in the United States. The Knicks are going through a horrible, horrible losing streak. Their owner feuds with fans. The fans want them to sell. Should you go out and buy MSG Madison Square Garden? It's not a bad idea. There's a lot of smart people um, who think that stock is undervalued. 
So even with all the bad news in the NBA, franchises continue to soar up 14%. 14% last year. Now you look at the stock market, you're like, well, we market beach here. Got 30% there, right? That's not really fair. But the average team is now worth $2.12 billion. If you look at the increases in the NFL teams, last year, the NFL saw values go up 11%. Major League Baseball up 8%. The average team is worth $2.8 billion in the NFL and $1.7 billion in Major League Baseball. If you look at the pure investment of NBA teams, NBA values are up nearly six-fold over the past decade. Six-fold. Hoo-wee. I have to imagine some of that's tied towards the rollout of more digital services. As you can see everything in real time these days. The NBA's 30 teams... They hit a record $8.8 billion in revenue last season. That's up 10% from the previous year. It'll be up again this year, with gate receipts projected to rise 8%. The new arenas help for Golden State. The renovations help for companies, uh, cities like Boston, Cleveland, Philadelphia, and Washington. So there's a lot of strength there. It's a very powerful media content. It's the greatest international sport after soccer. Notice I didn't bring any soccer valuations in because I don't have them. Alibaba, co-founder. Now, Alibaba is a lot like a lot like Amazon. I would say they kind of photocopied Amazon's business model. But that's not fair. Alibaba co- Alibaba co-founder, a guy named Joseph Tsai. He agreed to buy Brooklyn Nets three years ago for $2.3 billion. But he accelerated the purchase in August and added the operating rights to Barclays Center in a deal for $3.3 billion. A month later, you see Michael Jordan announced plans to sell roughly 20% of the Charlotte Hornets. The agreement valued that team at $1.5 billion. Up from the $175 million that Jordan bought majority control of the club from. In 2010. So Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Invested $175 million. In the Charlotte Hornets. Back in 2010. And he sold it for $1.5 billion. Ooh. Pretty crazy numbers, huh? Non-basketball revenues uh, are at play. The market was up huge over the past five years. NBA teams remain a diversification option for those looking to pare down their stock holdings. The high stock market valuations have helped boost the prices for teams. Buying a team can be a great tax break because tax law typically requires the amount of the purchase price of a business allocated to intangibles to be amortized over 15 years. So if you saw big, goofy Steve Ballmer he was a goofy CEO when he ran uh, Microsoft. He took over the Microsoft CEO duties from Bill Gates. He's kind of like Lurch. He's one of those guys who's a little bit too tall and he's a little bit too big and chunky. Like you kind of get that feeling like he was picked first in elementary school to be a football because he was probably oversized. He used to run sales meetings at Microsoft and he'd dance. 
And there's nothing worse than a big, goofy guy who can't dance. Because trust me, that's coming from a big, goofy guy who can't dance. Um, so the Knicks are, are, are lowering their value, are losing a bit um, of, their, of their luster because they've been such a stink team for such a long time. It'd be interesting to see what they, their valuation would be like if they've been in the playoffs once in the last seven years. So, four point six billion. If you have lying around you by the Knicks, Lakers four point four billion, Golden State Warriors four point three billion. Uh, these three teams have by far the highest revenue in the NBA. Only the Dallas Cowboys are worth more than the Knicks. The Dallas Cowboys, the New York Yankees. Just so you know, Cowboys are worth five point five billion. New York Yankees are worth four point six billion. That's a pretty good list. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. We can talk about the America's doubling its hard seltzer guzzling this year. Back in the summer, I had my first hard seltzer. I was on a boat or something like that. And I was like, what is this? And it's just carbonated water with added alcohol, a little bit of fruit, typically. Um... The manufacturers tinker with the alcohol levels to help you with your calories or carbs. Uh, only 100 calories per drink at 5% alcohol. Like a good IPA is probably 200 calories at 7% alcohol. So I, I don't know if you're a percentage of alcohol person, but that industry is doing quite well. And if you looked at the commercials during the Super Bowl, you saw that Molson Coors and Anheuser-Busch and Constellation brands all have their own heart seltzer coming out this year. It's a category that's gone from zero to 2% penetration in the beer drinking category. Um, but I think it's fair to say it could get to four to 5% of drinks this year. Some people think by the end of 2023, it'll be 10% of beer sales. So it's a new category. It's still growing. The, C, the purest play on it, I think is Sam Adams. Um, because they're a pretty diversified beer company. Only 30% of their sales come from beer. They're already in the hard ciders and seltzers. So throw that out there for you. One small idea for you, one big idea for me. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about money investing and more. Nearly one in three American workers run out of money before payday. That's a problem. Probably not a lot of emergency room there. Emergency situations. Got to save more money. Got to build up that emergency fund. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Um, also, I got some great downloadables at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Your comments and questions are always welcome. 
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I think it's always a good idea to surround yourself with things that make you comfortable in life as well as in investing. I think Warren Buffett quotes are a great start for anyone who has a long-term perspective. Probably not good for a day trader, and I think Patrick O'Hare is also a great calming voice. I'm not comparing him directly to Warren Buffett, but calming is is the right idea. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? And thank you for not comparing me, because there is no comparison. That would be a tough comparison. Um, But are you with me? It's good to have like familiar voices that kind of comfort you and like don't panic you. Um, having thoughts to go back to that make sense in investing that ground you. Sure, you know, I, I, I mean, I think that's just true in life in general. You know, even when you boil it down to a personal perspective, right? You go to the people that you kind of can rely on and trust to give you sound advice, and uh, and do tend to uh, hopefully. I, you know, uplift you in more ways than one. And so I think that does transfer over to uh, certainly investment universe. And um, because it's, you know, it can be, it can be complex at times, but, um, but it helps, you know, when people are able to kind of like boil it down into simple terms and, um, um, and, and, and relatable terms that uh, kind of make you comfortable being a, a long-term investor. I start my day every day. It's a routine with your page one. Um, it's at briefing.com. Today, you your, your headline is following a similar, similar looking line. So I was like, good. It feels like it's going to be a good day on the market just by that headline. Am I getting that lulled into a false sense of security with uh, <laughs> everything continues to melt up? Right. Well, you know, what we saw yesterday, you know, what I was driving at really was, you know, you had a nice positive tone in the futures market ahead of the open yesterday and then kind of mm-hmm. things fizzled out a little bit, you know, toward the end of the day, and you didn't really have much change in the broader market when it was all said and done. And and you kind of had a a similar line this morning in in the sense that you had a a bullish bias that was clearly present in the futures market, so you knew you were going to get a pretty good open. And so really the question becomes, you know, will will the market hang in there and, 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 and retain the bulk of those opening gains, or will it ultimately fade like it did yesterday? And and you can obviously, you know, make a case given how far the market has run in such a short period of time and that, you know, and, and that it seemingly goes nowhere but up, that it's due for a period of consolidation. So, you know, I think the key to that um, uh, effort would be really the performance we're seeing, you know, out of these mega cap stocks, which just, you know, continue to power higher, you know, just about each and every day. So, Clearly, they're sitting on huge gains, and I think that if you you know you were to see those particular stocks, you know the Apples and the Amazons and the Googles of the world, you know um, pull back, then you you would see the overall enthusiasm in the broader market cap, and and perhaps a day where you just kind of trend sideways. So. Um, you, you, you can never rule that out at this point. Like I said, you know, you've got this market that just has been, um, you know, on a one, has had a one-track mind for, for the most part. And, uh, you know, um, it's easy to argue that, it, that it's due for a pullback, but, of course, you're not getting that pullback. And when you, when you don't get that pullback, people that have, that have missed that move start fearing uh, missing out on further gains. And that kind of becomes a little bit of a, self-fulfilling sense of support because it, it you know just drives money into the market that keeps that sell-off from happening so uh but there's no question i mean the market the stock market right now 
seems to be in a very comfortable position uh, and is you know, kind of resting on this notion that uh, the, the coronavirus impact is going to be limited. It'll be short-term in nature. Um, interest rates are going to stay low, all things considered, and that the Fed's not going to get in the market's way with a rate hike anytime soon. And so uh, until it sees any really uh, concerning information in the in the U.S. data itself, this market will continue to find or continue to have this inclination, I think, to buy on any pullback and to continue to support a bullish bias. Good stuff. Now, yesterday, the markets did get off to a fast start, and they did calm down a bit as the Federal Reserve Chairman Testimony, Jerome Powell, was playing out on CNBC and in Bloomberg. Um, the more questions answered. And then I noticed Trump started tweeting about Jerome Powell in real time, saying, lower interest rates, lower interest rates. What's your feeling on the Federal Reserve? Are they doing a good job? Or could they be doing better? Or do you, uh, it's tough to rate another person, isn't it? It's tough to give them a grade. Right. You know, I, I think if you, you kind of you look at where the economy is right now, right, you've had, um, you know, you have unemployment rate at a 50-year low, um, and you have inflation that is below the 2% target, but it's been fairly stable uh, for an extended period of time. And, and, you know, the Fed's dual mandate is, you know, maximum employment and, and price stability. Um, the Fed obviously wants to see uh, inflation move up a bit. You know, the one and a half, one point six percent or so uh, range in core PCE is not going to get it done for them. But uh, and that's why the market is, I think, really kind of you know latched onto this notion that that even though you've got good economic conditions in the form of a you know strong labor market, rising wages, you're not seeing the pass through to inflation that would get the uh, the Fed overly concerned and, you know, uh, raise interest rates in a meaningful way anytime soon. So kind of the best of both worlds here for the equity market and that it can continue to be uh, supported by uh, good economic trends that are supportive for consumer spending, but at the same time doesn't necessarily have to fear um, a spike in interest rates based on what it knows currently. Um, so, you know, and uh, that that's really, I mean, I think you would say that the Fed, you know, arguably has done a good job at this point. Um, you know, Fed Chair Powell and the Fed might have made some mistakes in 2018 by getting, you know, overly aggressive. Uh, but I think it's a true sign of anyone's character, though, to kind of, you know, admit that you've made a mistake and to try to correct for it. And uh, and they were not uh, slow, if you will, in, in responding to perhaps over-tightening in 2018, and, you know, and that, that made a, a huge difference, obviously, last year for the stock market, and, and I think it really has continued to support this ongoing economic expansion in the United States. Sounds good. Is there anything that you're currently working on? I know you do the page one each and every day, but mm -hmm. come Friday, you have a, a big picture column that is just chock full of data, and I know that has, that's a homework project for you. How, how's the homework <laughs> looking, and, and what are you working on right now? Oh, I'm, I feel like the dog ate my homework right now. <laughs> I'm still formulating some thoughts around uh, the big picture column this week. But, uh, you know, the latest installment was uh, was an argument that, you know, while uh, that, that, that the U.S. consumer is really the one who holds the key to the bull market. And I know a lot of people would argue that it's really what happens with interest rates. And I think ultimately the direction of interest rates can be the, the grim reaper, if you will, that kills a bull market. But, 
in the very near term here, there's so much relying on the relative strength of the U.S. economy vis-a-vis other developed economies in the world and so much relying on the strength of the U.S. consumer continuing to underpin uh, the, the performance of the U.S. economy that you really need to keep a close eye on uh, consumer spending data. Um, so may end up kind of continuing that theme here, perhaps, uh, knowing that we've got the January retail sales report coming out on Friday and, and taking a closer look at that, uh, perhaps, to see, you know, what you know, what's developing there in terms of discretionary spending behavior on the part of the U.S. consumer. Sounds good. Thanks very much for joining me. Have a good day, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday at this very time. It's Sounds good, Rob. Thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Mr. Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. Um, he has a, a column every day that it's routine for me. I don't start each and every day with this column. It's probably the second thing I do. Probably the first thing I do is I turn on the, the, the futures to see what's happening over night in markets to kind of get a vibe for what the story is going to be that day. Um, and the second thing is I, I read his recap of yesterday and his uh, thoughts on, on what's going to happen today. But Briefing does a wonderful job. They're a very good company. Um, I don't get paid by them to endorse them. This is not a commercial. They have a lot of financial information, which I love. Um, they will talk things like coronavirus. They just tweeted out, they just updated a headline at briefing.com. New York City Department of Health tweets all negative for no novel coronavirus in New York City. CDC has confirmed that the seventh person test in the city has come back negative. We now have zero cases pending. That's good. Um, I would have... A fascinating scenario, maybe morbid of me, maybe creepy of me, would have been what would have happened if the coronavirus hit China during the Summer Olympics um, or the Winter Olympics? Um, what if we didn't really get a handle on it other than people are getting sick and they're, they're heading back home? And then the next thing you know, they're all on planes and it's a disaster movie, everyone. You want to hear disaster? Worst day of my life yesterday. Worst day in my life yesterday, I got a a piece of mail. Now you're saying, what did that piece of mail say, Rob? That piece of mail said, AARP. I hate it. I hate it. It's a sign that you're getting old. When when the AARP, American Association of Retired People, sends you a letter and says, you're one of us. I didn't want to open it. I don't want to look at it. Maybe this weekend I'll medicate and I'll see, like, I wonder if I get, like, a free movie or anything for AARP. Um, I've never been a big fan of AARP, but now that I'm that that season of life, maybe I'll figure it out. Um, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. You can find briefing.com at, oddly enough, briefing.com. Great source of information, both international and domestic. Um, I don't feel there's a lot of bias in it. So, thumbs up from me. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Running down to the river tide, taking away to the dark side. I want to be your left hand Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. 
Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Just throw out a little banter for you. Trying to weave a little bit of music, a little pop culture, a little investing. Markets hit an all-time high yesterday. Most of the markets are hitting all-time highs today. When I say most of the markets, I'm talking S&P 500, NASDAQ, Dow Jones Industrial Average 30, which ultimately doesn't mean a darn thing unless you own those three indexes. It's just telling you that the environment is healthy. Something's going up. Again, with S&P 500, you get kind of a really weighted Microsoft and Amazon and Google Alphabet and Apple really driving the market, dragging the markets higher. When a $1.4 trillion company becomes a $1.5 trillion company, it just did a lot of work for the S&P 500. One of the things I've, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to figure out my relationship with Facebook and my relationship with Instagram and how do I want them going forward. Um, there's certainly some value in it, but I see a lot of time suck in both of them. So one of the things I do is a lot of the bands that I follow, I'll follow like on Instagram or on Twitter. So I could like get to the news as fast as I can without going to like 50 different websites. I could just flip through 50 different Instagram accounts. One of the bands I like is a band called AJR and um, they're electric pop. If, if you don't like electric pop, it ain't going to be for you. It's interesting because my kids, you kind of want your kids to like have cool music in their life. And some people think cool music is old time rock and roll. Some people think it's electric pop. Some people think it's marshmallow. Um, But during the Super Bowl, we're watching the Super Bowl. And uh, their first concert was AJR in Red Rocks, which is probably a horrible thing to do. Because Red Rocks is like a great venue. Um, So I've kind of set them up that all shows are like that and it's not quite like that. But we're watching the Super Bowl and there's a commercial for a new Pixar film coming up called Soul. S-O-U-E. S-O-U-L. Duh. I'm not very smart today. Um... But what's interesting is they used the AJR song from Overture. I'm like, wow, they got a song on, on, a, soundtra- on a Pixar soundtrack that's going to come out this summer? They're going to get big. And just showing you how things have differed or changed, the, the music industry got destroyed. Destroyed by digital disruption. Um, they just released a video and they, they said, you know, the last couple of days, hey, we're going to release a video at 10 o'clock. Um, Eastern time on the 12th. Um, it's already got over 60,000 views. I find that fascinating. In under an hour, they've got 60,000. It's like the TV station that I work for has 15,000 eyeballs on it every 15 minutes. And boom, just like that, a band could have 60,000 in less than an hour. Shows the power of YouTube, in my opinion. So, um, But I was thrilled to see that their music's getting into a Pixar film because it's kind of like... A, a, a mark. It's kind of like a boom. You've made it, right? So what's interesting about their industry, concert tickets have gone up. They're, they're the type of band that used to be like $30 tickets, and you'd be like, that's a lot of money. Now they're $60 tickets. But what's interesting is, and I, I noticed this, there's a Australian comedian that I like very much. He's a little bit, how shall we say, R-rated. But he's coming to the United States, and I looked at his concert, and I was like, okay, how much are the tickets? I don't really like seeing comics in big venues. 
like, like to go to like um, a Levi Stadium or an Oracle Arena, eighteen thousand. Like it, comics don't work for me like that. Um, so I want to be in the first ten rows. So I looked at the first ten rows. They only sell them if you buy a private package. And the private package includes you get a chance to take a photo with either the band or a photo with the comedian. And it's typically $100, and you get in like an hour early. And if you want to spend $200, you could like maybe play ping pong with said comedian and then get your picture taken with them. And it is honestly like a wedding procession. One of the things I do not like about weddings is after the wedding, you go back to, I guess you get your free meal or whatever, and the bride and groom, and we're going to announce the bride and groom for the first time as a couple. Ladies and gentlemen. And then everyone claps, and then there's like, a, oh, it's good. And they meet everyone. And everyone lines up so they can just walk down the aisle or the line and shake everyone's hand. I hate that. Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. But uh, that's how bands are making money now. And I don't blame them. Because, you know, Spotify and Apple Music's not 60,000 hits on YouTube. Does that pay their bills? I don't know. Or is that a freebie to get you to go to the concert? Or is it because Spotify and Apple are notorious for some Taylor Swift was like, they've played one of my songs 7 million times and I got a check for a buck 70. I don't know how the, the finances work on that. But anyway, and anyhow, we'll end this segment with a little bit of Bang by AJR or Overture by AJR. That's the one that's going to be in the Pixar film. Not a bad move. Uh, not a bad song. Very catchy. And to see younger people make catchy music, um, it's always a good thing. I'm digressing. I'm sorry. Um, the markets are are kind of in a, a mode right now that I, I don't want to say this because some people are going to be mad at me. Some people are going to be in love with me. It looks like the market thinks President Trump's going to win his reelection bid. So I probably just pissed off 48% of America and the other 48% is probably cheering me. Um, he's put in place very market friendly policies, including tax cuts and deregulation. Now we could talk about the judges. We could talk about a lot of other things. We could say this is way too early, but I'm seeing it in the market. We're melting up for almost no reason. Yes, we got the low interest rates, but we're saying a trillion dollars? That doesn't matter. Let's, let's go up to a trillion two. Let's go up to a trillion four. Let's drive that stock to a trillion five. It's a little bit too much. Senator Sanders won the Democratic New Hampshire primary by a narrow margin over Pete Buttigieg. Former President Vice President Joe Biden didn't get any delegates in New Hampshire. I think the market would be happy with a Trump or a Biden kind of moderate. I don't know. This is where it gets kind of tense and everyone gets kind of angry at me. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing and more. A little AJR for you. But I'm thinking it's time to grow. So I got an apartment across from the park. Working while in my fridge, still I'm not feeling great. Been a hell of a ride, but I'm thinking it's time to grow. Here we go. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.